0: Welcome back, everybody. This is The Change Log. We're a member-supported blog and podcast that covers what's fresh and what's new in open source. This show is hosted by myself, Adam Stachowiak, and Andrew Thorpe. Andrew, say hello.
1: Hey, how's it going, man?
0: Today's a good day, man. It's a very, very good day. Very exciting day. Big day. Yeah, big, big day. Big Mm -hmm. day. Uh, You can tune into this show live every Tuesday. That's right, every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time right here on 5x5. You can check out our past shows at 5x5.tv slash changelog. And this episode is number 89, not 0. 8. nine. Can you believe that? No, it's hash 89.
1: Hash 89. <laughs> oh, and, in, uh, inside joke.
0: Yeah. At, and <laughs> for those who've been listening to the change log forever and forever and forever, and for those who went and listened or, uh, or read today's announcement, um, you know, we don't we don't sem-version our, our uh, cementally version our podcast, so we dropped that, moved to 5x5, and now this is just episode 89. So, And today we're joined by Solomon Hikes, a hacker, of course, and entrepreneur at dot .cloud.
2: Hey, guys. It's great to be here.
0: It is great. So, Solomon, where do we, where do we begin to tell the story of dot .cloud and what you're doing with, uh, with Docker?
2: Where do we begin? Yeah, where uh, do we begin? Well, Can we start with uh, you maybe? Maybe give sorry? an intro
0: to maybe start with you, give an intro of who you are and kind of what you do at DotCloud.
2: Sure. Uh so I'm the founder and uh DotCloud is my baby. It's been my baby for the last 5 years. So about 5 years ago I quit my job and uh set out to work on all things DevOps and uh, deployment automation in cloud and that kind of stuff. Um, and I guess I could give you the the long version of that, but um, you know, fast forward to 2010. After two, about two years of tinkering and and uh, running a bootstrapped consulting business, um, toying with interesting technology and experimenting, eventually um, we we launched a product. Uh, we launched a, pro- a platform as a service. So, uh, you know, for the if you know uh, products like. Heroku or Google App Engine or Microsoft Azure, Uh, we launched a a platform that um, lets developers upload their their web application very easily. And the platform takes care of um, deploying it, configuring the servers, scaling it, and and all that fun stuff, freeing the developer of that burden so that the the developer can do what he does best, which is write awesome code. Uh, So we've launched that in 2010. And our claim to fame at the time was that we were the first platform as a service to support multiple languages. Hmm. So, you know, at the time, Heroku was really big in the Ruby community. Uh, Google App Engine was doing interesting stuff with with Python, but you had to, you know, heavily modify your app. You had to use their custom APIs, et cetera. Um, And there were a lot of developers out there who were eager to, you know, get their hands on something similar, uh, something that made their lives super easy uh, with their respective languages. And we, we delivered that and there was a lot of buzz around that. And, uh, you know, fast forward to, um, late 2012 and early 2013. And we're, you know, we're doing that uh, we're growing the business, growing the, the, you know, the, um, the user base, et cetera. Uh, and all this time, uh, we're, we're kind of, we're we're getting more and more uh, requests for some very specific. We're getting a lot of people interested in the secret sauce, the the not the platform itself, but the the ingredients to build your own platform. <laughs> uh, and you know, but sometimes because you know people wouldn't you know would would not agree with the way we did pricing, or but usually they had custom needs. You know, you can't you can't be the provider for every. Applic, you know, every developer out there, every every company that needs to deploy an app that's a little bit ambitious. Um, but, um, anyway, we started getting requests for, um, the ingredients to building your own platform. And, uh, eventually we, we decided that that was a, you know, a, a smart move to make. And we started open sourcing stuff. And, um, one of the you know one of the components we open sourced is a is a is a project called docker which is basically you could call it our secret sauce but you know it's it's from a technology point of view you, you know you could argue it's not that big of a deal but there's a lot of uh work that goes into taking a you know a, a kind of arcane and complicated technology and Delivering it in a simple way to developers. So anyway, the the that was kind of like the super fast forward version uh, from <laughs> super fast forward versions. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know the the we can go in like a thousand different directions here, but you right.
0: kind of glossed like, over you kind of glossed over the fact though that like for those who may not have caught up with Dot Cloud and and with what they're doing with Docker. I mean, you gave a talk at PyCon not long ago, which is yeah. kind of when a lot of this buzz began to really hype up for you, I wouldn't say that's the start of, of your story, but you know, you had this talk called The Future of Linux Containers and you wowed everybody. Like everybody was floored with <laughs> what you delivered. And if Kenneth was on this show right now, he'd be saying the same thing as I'm sure that he was there at PyCon. So um, you know tell tell us about that. What is what do you mean by the future of Linux containers?
2: So what I mean by the future of Linux containers is well I guess I should start with by describing what Linux containers are um there was this thing called virtualization <laughs> and you know the, the um, it lets you basically create a virtual computer and um that that had a lot of benefits for um companies that operated a lot of computers because you could consolidate hardware and you know in, instead of spending uh tens of thousands for uh, dozens of servers, all of a sudden, you can spend much less for a smaller number of of actual computers and pretend you had more right mm-hmm. um, and on top of that, the promise of virtual machines was that developers um, could package their application along with all the dependencies uh, everything from you know the libraries you use uh, the app server that that runs your app, the exact version of the exact system library that you're your application depends on all the way down to the, to the distro and the underlying system. The whole thing packaged in uh, you know a single object, something that you can hand to someone else and say, here, run this, and it's reusable. And that's kind of the key to um, reliable testing. Um, you know, It's the key to component reuse between projects. It's the key to making money with your software because all of a sudden other people can pay you to use it to reuse it. Uh, there was a lot of excitement initially around what you could do with vms and that part of of using vms never really materialized because um, vms aren 't really that you know that 's not really the point of vms from a technology point of view uh, they have a few downsides they're they 're big uh, you know they take a lot of disk disk space uh, running them uses up a lot of memory a lot of cpu there 's a lot of overhead if you 've ever you know, simulated a complex system. You know, using VMware, or VirtualBox, Box, your laptop. You know what I'm talking about. The battery goes away really fast. Yeah. Um, they're not really portable. Anyway, so um, it never really took off as the the way developers share their work. You know, I don't I don't ever remember putting my code into a VM and like handing it to a lot of people and saying, "Hey, here's the official way to use my 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 code." Right. So we're still in this world of. Um, fragmented ways to package and and share and reuse code, uh, and we're still in dependency hell and and these kinds of problems. You know, Python developers have Python packages, Ruby developers have Ruby packages. Uh, yeah. Everyone has to deal with Ubuntu packages or Debian packages or Red Hat or etc. Uh, and then you have to compile stuff by hand sometimes. It's just a mess. Um, and enter Linux containers. So. What Linux containers are? Uh, they are um, the Linux kernel's answer um, to this problem, or you know, more specifically to the problem of um, subdividing uh, a a single uh, syst- system, a single OS, into multiple uh, areas that are completely sandboxed from each other, so that you can run, you know. Uh, multiple applications side-by-side side inside the same OS, right, running on top of the same kernel um, without application A messing with application B in any way. And if you think, if, you know, if you think about uh, iPhone or Android apps, that's kind of how they work, right? You, you, your apps never interact with each other. They don't touch each other's files. Uh, you can remove you – know, you can add any combination of apps um, they don't interact with each other. They just don't mess with each other. Um, and that's what Linux containers enable. And I would add that every modern operating system, at least every modern Unix operating system, has a facility like Linux containers. You know, the BSD systems have a, a, a similar mechanism called jails. Uh, in fact, um, you know, BSD fans will tell you they've had jails for way longer. <laughs> Then <laughs> Linux had, uh, and, and Linux containers. Um, Solaris has z- zones. Um, and so is this like
0: that, taking all those different metaphors for different platforms and creating like one homogeneous like uh, API to all of that? Is that is that what the, the point of Docker it, so is? It's,
2: that's what the point of Docker is. Um, like, so, I guess my, my where I was getting was um, there is now the possibility of creating such an API, basically a unified format for packaging your entire app um, with all its dependencies, regardless of what language you used, what libraries or framework you use, um, as long as it runs on Linux, basically. The only dependency is the Linux kernel. Uh, as long as, as you can run on the Linux kernel, basically, you, there is the possibility now of packaging your app in this unified standard format and then be able to run it with strong guarantees that uh, wherever you run it, it will run in the same way. And that's very powerful because now, again, you can hand it to someone else and say, here, run it. And then that this other person will run it and something predictable will happen, right? right. And that's, that's the key to automation. That's the key, again, to reliable testing, to things like, hey, here's an upgrade. Now I can send you this upgrade and, and it works. Right. Uh, and and so again, Linux containers makes that possible, because now the Linux the Linux kernel effectively can be split up in little uh, sandboxed areas. Uh, but it's the raw material, and what was missing was a tool to kind of glue all these raw capabilities together and deliver it to developers in a package that 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 is
1: usable. That makes sense, right? So. Dot Cloud originally was taking advantage of Linux containers to kind of do this for everyone. Yeah. And you decided, with all the requests that are coming out, to to go ahead and build, you know, uh, did you extract Docker from Dot Cloud, or did you kind of build a new... So it was actually extracted from Dot Cloud. So uh,
2: a combination of both. Uh, Sorry, go ahead. I'll I'll answer after.
1: Well, I'll have have more for you. But go ahead and and kind of explain that. Like, how did Um, Docker separate itself from Dot Cloud? So, yeah. So first of all, to...
2: I guess to answer your preliminary question, yes, that's definitely what we've been doing at dot .cloud essentially forever. I mean, all the way back to 2008 when when dot .cloud was started, way before we even launched our first mass you know mass um, consumption product, um, our thing was always taking advantage of Linux containers for fun and profit. That's basically what dot .cloud is. <laughs> and uh, back in 2008, it was just a really, really weird thing to do. Uh, in fact, the... the the um, at the time the LXC project, which is today the the, the flagship product uh, project, sorry, within the Linux kernel um, for all things containers, that project didn't exist or maybe barely existed. I, I forget it was in any case highly experimental and definitely not usable. Uh, what the, what what the Linux community had at the time was uh, uh, various patches. <laughs> so there was one patch called VServer which you know was was supposed to emulate BSD jails, another one called OpenVZ, which was maintained by a company called Parallels, which you may have heard of. Yep. Um, and so back in the day, it was highly uh, experimental territory to, to use containers anyway. But we did, and we had a lot of fun. And eventually, we became good at it and you know figured out ways to plug uh, the components together. And then we launched .cloud on top of it. So yes, definitely, .cloud was our way of taking advantage of these capabilities make, you know, turning them into our kind of secret ingredient and using that for our advantage, which was basically come out with a Heroku competitor that could do 10 times what Heroku could do, right? Because, Mm -hmm. hey, it was completely agnostic to any language, of course, because it was containers under the hood. And then we started doing things like launching database services, right? Uh, You know, .cloud today has 15 different cloud services. We have a Redis service, we have a MongoDB service, we have a MySQL service. And all of those services as diverse as they are are actually under the hood um, powered and operated by a single layer built on 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 linux containers so it 's actually the same code um, that automates the deployment of your MySQL database or your rails or Python app when you 're using dot cloud right. and 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 behind that there's an ops team that is ridiculously small you know it 's like uh, uh, you know, five guys basically power these 15 cloud services, um, and this is all thanks to you know what we're able to extract out of this awesome technology that is Linux containers. I'm you know I'm simplifying it uh, just a bit because there are other components that gravitate around it, but right. really th- that's really kind of the the starting point. That you have this this unit of deployment, this thing that once you've bundled it, you know what's in it, and you can run it in a repeatable way. That's the key to everything.
1: Right, so fast um, forward yeah. four years, and now exactly. based on a lot of, you know, consumer feedback or people not liking the the pricing or you know different yeah. reasons you said, you guys decided to pull Docker out of it. And yeah. so, why was that decision finally so made?
2: Our 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 reasoning was basically, well, there's a, there was a combination of factors. The first was clearly the market has evolved. People are you know our um, our the market in general is getting more sophisticated. Uh, it's not like we're the only people in the world who know about linux containers and understand linux containers. There are a lot of very right? Yeah, there are very lots lots of very smart systems engineers who are taking advantage of them and we started seeing popping up popping up on the radar starting in in 2012 um, a bunch of kind of a, a new generation of, of cloud services that started, kind of catching on, and and doing things that clearly um, made it, you know, that made it very obvious that under the hood they were playing with containers as well. And we thought, okay, this was our differentiating advantage. Uh, but you know, no differentiating advantage lasts forever. Right. Um, and you know, realistically, we're a startup. We're not a giant company with with deep pockets. We can't possibly compete with everyone on every front, right? Um, and so let's 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 specialize right let's let's adapt to this new world where a, a lot of players know about containers. What do we know best right Should we specialize on the um, on the SQL database uh, should we be you know a, a mongodB provider and go after the mongodB players? Should be specialize in Rails and Python and JavaScript and you know we realize in the end our true core our true specialty is the underlying Containers layer it's the it's the it's the it's the underlying it's the underlying layer itself. It's doing incredible things with containers, uh, and how do we um, take advantage of that that uh, experience? The fact that we're we've been using and taking advantage of containers for many years, mm-hmm. we have more production and you know real world experience with them than most companies in the world. Um, as a business, how do we take advantage of that? Um, and the answer is um, open source it to get the credit for the, the, the work we've done. Right? So that's the business answer. Right. And then the, um, I would say the, 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 the engineer's answer <laughs> uh, is that hey, that stuff's going to be open anyway. Like, it's just too awesome not to become an open standard, something that everybody uses and benefits from. That's just the awesome world we live in. Through things like open source, in the end, people will get um, a really easy-to-use, incredibly powerful uh, open source implementation of that stuff. Eventually, it will become a standard. There will be foundations around it. It will be awesome for everyone. Uh, right. So that's, if you believe that's going to happen no matter what, um, do you want to be part of and, – and, and if you can contribute to that, like you've got something to bring to the table because you, you happen to know that stuff um, – then do you want to be part of that awesome movement that is about to start? Or do you want to say, stay on the sidelines and say, no, I've got this closed implementation, mm-hmm. mine's better, but you'll never know exactly how much better <laughs> I'll show you the code. You know, yeah. we, maybe you can do that if you're a big company. And even right. if you're a big company, I think it's stupid. But uh, for a startup, it's, it's just <laughs> Well, I simple.
0: mean, this show is on open source. I mean, it makes sense, right? That's, that's, uh, it's open source all the things, man. I, uh, I,
2: you know right. And, and then the burden's on us. Um, to prove that we can bring value as a business, and uh, I think that's a great that's a great approach to business. It's it's win win all the way, and I think we you know as a business I'm not worried at all. We, we first of all we know how to run them in production, which is very hard. Uh, I mean you know it's the I'm not going to preach to you uh, right. that open source is good for business, but anyway the, um
1: that, that those, I have a
0: question though. Can I can I ask a question on this because this is where this is where I'm trying to find the line and. Uh, for those listening, you definitely know I'm not a DevOps guy. So I come to this table and talk to Solomon and, and Andrew about this with uh, asking for grace because I don't know uh, all the details here. But um, when we look at Linux containers, so LXE containers out there, and then we look at Docker, what is Docker to LXC containers? What, that's where I'm trying to yeah. paint so, the picture from.
2: Yeah, good question, and a question I get a lot, so <laughs> you're not alone. Um, so I think there is there is – there was an early answer, and then there's a, now there there's a kind of a larger answer. Um, the early answer is LXC is the raw stuff, and and Docker is what makes it palatable, what makes it usable. Um, someone someone uh, there's a cool blog post um, a, describing Docker, and and the guy who wrote the blog post uh, compares it to Git. Like using LXC is kind of like using those underlying obscure commands that actually power Git, but no one understands how they work unless uh, you've know. Unless yeah. you've read like 10 pages of documentation. And, you know, you got people telling you like, oh, you could build like you can build a file system and, you know, you could rebuild Dropbox until on top of that <laughs> stuff, you know. And then there are people who just want to check in source code and see diffs and merge, you know, and, and uh, for that stuff to be possible, you need a new set of commands that actually, you know, um, offer that level of, of interface. So it's, it's, it's a, it's an API that makes sense. It's a higher level API. It's a higher level UI. So that's one way to look at it. You've, Um, you've,
1: you've, I've heard uh, people describe it as, and this probably is good for you too, Adam, like Docker has the potential to be for, you know, platform as a service as Chef did for infrastructure as a service. So it's just like a high level API to make it easier, less barrier of entry to get in there and be able to do what LXE allows you to do. Gotcha.
2: I uh, yeah, I that's definitely true. I I you know uh it makes it accessible. I think we're whatever platform as a service exactly means. Let let's let's say it's whatever offers an API, uh you know, hosted API for developers to do something <laughs> something like that, uh whether it's storing data in a database or deploying your code, um, I think we're we're at the end of an era where it was there was a very high barrier to entry to actually building a pass. You know whether you were going to build a database service or build some sort of API powered uh, service like Twilio uh, or you know Stripe or Mailgun or whether you were going to deploy web apps like you know Cloud or Heroku uh, etc. There was a, that was a very high bar. You had you know that that's like very very very. Specific expertise—you uh, have to be kind of that perfect combo of low-level systems engineering, ops, you know—and uh, at the same time, un, you know, understanding the needs of a specific um, group of developers, uh, and that's kind of a hard combo. And I think now we're entering a phase where that all that stuff is being democratized, um, thanks to things like Docker. It's actually easier to build a, a pass that. Um, answers a very specialized need in the developer community uh without having to reinvent the wheel and become you know a world renowned expert in uh you know load balancing uh, between multiple EC2 regions <laughs> and mo- you know 24/7 monitoring and uh you know change management
1: and log collection and metrics collection and all that stuff um, Right so yeah, And to interject, so you said that kind of your claim to fame early on at .club was, you know, because you were leveraging the Linux containers, you were able to basically be, you know, framework independent, language yep. independent, like and none of that mattered, right? So I remember early on there was, I don't maybe not early on, but I remember, you know, the Heroku and Engine Yard for Ruby and then Jitsu came out for Node.js and it was yep. all these specialized services came out for these, you know, one, uh, Framework or one language you know one environment, and then so you came out so now you know fast forward a few years, and most of those guys are supporting multiple um environments so yep. d- does that mean that would you consider y'all yourself kind of a trendsetter in a way where now a lot of those guys are probably doing the same thing right, using leveraging Linux containers to do this yep
2: i i that that's definitely true, I think the um, you know Pass is a really young market. No, no one really knows how it works or how to make huge money with it because no one has. Like no one's won in pass. There's right. no giant success story in pass yet. But everyone's figuring it out, so that, including us. So that's that's a, you know a warning before I say anything <laughs> that gets me in trouble. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know there was a trend where. Uh, you started from the needs of a group of developers that you knew really well, so you focused. You you attacked the vertical, and that's kind of you know st- startup one hundred and one. So you're Heroku. You're you know you're part of the Ruby community. I mean, these guys were you know a, a Rails development shop, and they they knew the needs of the Rails community better than anyone, and they built a product for the Rails community, and it worked right. And Nojitsu did the same thing for the Node.js community, et cetera, et cetera. And and you know um, as as that evolved, um, people started realizing. Hey, actually, all these people, all these developers who are part of different communities, actually, if all have jobs or eventually will get jobs in companies that are not actually uh, organized as highly verticalized tribes. Like there are very few companies that define themselves as Node.js companies mm-hmm. or Ruby companies, right? Um, including maybe a few fringe, you know, startups that are not actually not actually the the reality of the rest of the world, right? Most companies have you know a real complicated, horrible mix of lots of different s- stuff running on lots of different technologies um, with really really overworked people <laughs> trying to kind of plug it all together right. and and every time that these guys hear about a new language, they are like, "Oh shit <laughs> <laughs> you know so on the one hand, you got developers well, you who, said you got like
0: five people running your uh, your DevOps team right I mean you yeah, got but five the team. so
2: what I'm talking about is the companies that that we run applications for, you know, these guys have developers writing apps in all sorts of crazy languages and using crazy databases, and they've got you know the old the they've got the you know the the, the they've got the the Cold Fusion stuff uh, running on a server under a desk somewhere. Then they got the Java Enterprise apps. Then they got the Ruby and Rails uh, you know apps. Now they got the, the mobile apps with the Node.js backend and God knows what else. And they're trying to like make sense of all that. And so these guys are very interested in a platform that is agnostic, that that can run whatever they actually, you know happen to need to run, uh, and and give them a freaking unified view of what of what's going on. You know they want the logs for the Node.js app, and the Ruby app, and mm-hmm. the MongoDB database. All in one freaking place, so they can you know know what's going on, and 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 they'll pay good money for that, and that's basically that was our premise as a business uh-huh. for going. So it's bringing one. all
0: these different components of somebody's app or, or infrastructure under one roof.
2: Yeah, so that, I mean that's the holy grail, right? You want to be the place that runs all the stuff. You want to be the the provider of the, the unified provider, uh, and and so the, the I think that's kind of phase two of past where people realized um, you can get. You can get a lot of developers to start playing with you by being very specialized and simple for a specific use case, a specific you know, language or framework or whatever. But then eventually if you want to keep that guy or at least you know, keep, uh, keep his business as his app grows, um, as his business grows, et cetera, uh, or has, you know, as, as he brings his colleagues in and tries to convince his boss to, to use you – you're going to need to be more flexible, more customizable. You're going to need to support more things. So you're going to need um, basically Linux containers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and so I think now people are realizing that. I mean, by people, I mean
1: the past providers. And, and now you're seeing more multi-language. Um, yeah. So you've – and I, maybe this is an obvious question, but – or maybe not. I don't know. Maybe I'm not seeing it. But by open sourcing Docker – uh, I mean that must have taken a lot of thought because you're in a way enabling your competitors to do yeah. things that you're doing you privately. Do yeah. So, so yeah. Where, how how did that decision come about?
2: So you know this saying like it's it's probably I don't even know I think no one knows who actually said it, but the whole thing about uh, when there's a gold you know a gold rush you want to be selling the the shovels. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the whole yeah. point of Paz was that while you know while the, the web the web startup gold miners are mining you you, the pass provider, want to be selling them the shovels, right, and then now, all of a sudden the 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 shovel shops are realizing, hey, we need to expand our technology uh, really, really fast so that we can support cross language and we can kind of expand our our offering in, in these in these organizations. We can sell more stuff to these companies, we need to sell more shovels fast and and actually, by the way. It's getting real easy to make shovels because there, there's more, there's God. a lot of money in, in shovels. So, uh, what do we do? How do we differentiate? Oh, that guy over there is making, you know, I don't know, shovel making machines. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Canvas. so that's us, right? We're like, we're we're the best at making okay. shovels. Um, here we'll help you make your own shovels because we're transitioning to the business of selling the machines that you make the shovels.
1: <laughs> so you're you're becoming platform as a service as a service. <laughs> I, I I hope that doesn't become a word, but you know <laughs> in a way I,
2: you know we just that was the key. That's the key bet. It is the key bet. Uh, is that this is a transition and you know the this is a real economy now. It's a real market selling stuff to developers. Uh, is becoming a real, econ- uh, you know, it's a new market, uh, and and when there's a market, there is there is now a space for specialized vendors that address that market. So I think increasingly you're going to see that people that used to be our competitors are n- are now more natural partners uh, or natural, you know, customers.
1: Right. So the the popularity of Docker just took off. I mean, like it was kind of mind boggling to see. It just explode, and I don't know if the your lightning talk at PyCon was kind of the you know the impetus of that, but it was just crazy to see this just blow up. And then, yeah. it, but I, I guess what you really benefited from was you know I saw Docker from DotCloud was blowing up. So did you see like the did you see actual boost in DotClouds? You know, like that was my next question is like how did this impact business? Yeah, was .cloud yeah. business booming from this too? Yeah. So it definitely benefits
2: directly. I mean, it's, it's, um,
0: was it like a hockey stick or was it like a 90 well, degree turn?
2: I guess 90 degree is, it's like, like a super
0: a, up versus. Yeah. 90 degree
2: up. is a pretty nice hockey stick already. It's not, <laughs> it's, it's so it's kind of a two step process. Like step one is obviously it's, it's, it's exposure for dot cloud as a company. And yeah. as a result, we're selling more of our stuff and that's great. and, and, and in fact, I don't know if you guys caught this, but as part of this crazy um, buzz, which we didn't really see coming, and actually it started before we were ready. If you remember, the, the, it was, the, the whole thing was leaked, uh, yeah. and we had to mm-hmm. rush to actually ship the source code ahead of schedule because it wasn't ready. And fire the developer that. that
1: leaked it. Oh,
2: boy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean – and, and here's a funny story. I mean the, the, on the one hand I'm saying, oh, it was leaked. and the other hand – here I was giving a, a talk at, at PyCon, uh, but the thing you have to understand is um, we were kind of cautiously, one step at a time, showing Docker to a select group of people that we knew were would be interested. You know, and, and so by the time we, we we gave that talk at PyCon, uh, about 40 companies had seen Docker, played with Docker, were actively you know checking the repository, looking at the progress. So we kind of had this kind of miniature. Like cl- closed, closed, but open source at the same time. If, if that makes sense, and you know, we we were at you know, we, we, I, maybe I won't name names, but a lot of companies played with it and are still playing with it. Um, and you know, along the way, we thought, hey, there's there's PyCon and we know we know a lot of the guys there. Surely there are people there interested in in Linux containers. Let's just you know get together with a few of them let's just give this obscure talk that no one will be interested in except the the uber container geeks uh plus it's a, it's a it's a lightning talk it'll be in a back room there'll be like 15 people 12 of which will actually not care and you know we'll ha- we'll meet two really you know interested people and then we'll add them to the private beta that was kind of the idea and and
1: in fact you know with the you got a standing ovation from everybody
2: well no the thing is lightning talks at pycon happened to be a really big deal and there, it's like it's in the main room with 800 people in it or something <laughs> and i had nothing, i didn't have slides i mean you've seen the video right it was like hello world it was the least prepared
1: talk i, know. I, ever. I loved watching <laughs> you in the video when you were like typing the commands and you would have to like delete to cuz you forgot part of the command and it was just like yeah, real i was so
2: stressed <laughs> out i was i was like oh 800 people are watching me type hello world <laughs> great <laughs> But you know it, it. You know they liked it, so that was great. Um, but so the result is, of course, you know someone in there said, "Hey, I'm going to put this on Hacker News," and then you know it, it, there was buzz. Um, but there was a point in all this. I kind of forgot where I was going. Uh, oh, that's okay. We're talking about the impact I, uh, your,
0: it, back to your business. I was kind of surprised. I only gave you five minutes though. <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't done. They're like, <laughs> they're like, uh, you're. Everyone is like at the edge of their seat as you're wrapping up your talk, and they're kicking you off the stage because they literally gave you like four and a half, maybe maybe four <laughs> minutes and fifteen seconds if they're being generous, yeah. and then they're booting but, you off the stage not because you weren't talking about something cool, but they were just so adamant about their their timeline. They're running,
2: they're running a tight ship. I mean, those guys are are well organized. Yeah. Anyway, it was it was, you know, there was a lot of cool conversation afterwards you know, it was PyCon is really nice. It's a really cool, you know, chill uh conference. It was a it was a nice place. I'm glad I'm glad it happened there and not, you know, in a trade, you know, like a more formal trade show or something. That would have been boring.
1: Yeah, so one thing that's really interesting about uh Docker and I guess Dot Cloud in general is that you're using Go Uh, for some reason. That that's just very interesting to me. So where where did the thought from? Why did you guys pick Go instead of something else? So, and it actually gets even
2: more interesting when you know that ninety percent of the code we've written at at Dot Cloud since the very beginning has been Python. We're historically Python shop. We've, but at the same time, you know, we've written code in various languages. I mean, we do advocate you know, polyglot deployment or whatever, you know, the, the, the possibility of using multiple languages. So we, we, we have to at least use more than one, you know, to be credible. So we have a few pieces in Node.js um, and we started dabbling in Go, but nothing crazy. But, we, you know, we liked it because we're, we're systems guys. So we've written mm-hmm. a lot of C and, you know, it's kind of it's like C, but nicer. Uh, and so what really decided it is, you know, the, the very, very first versions of Docker, were written in Python, because they were basically a a rewrite, a gradual, you know, standard, pragmatic refactoring of the the core .cloud platform, which, you know, has been at this point in, in production for over two years. So, you know, that's what happens to production systems used by real customers over many years. They, you know, they tend to Things tend to pile up, and at some point, you need to kind of just clean things up and refactor and you know, take advantage of the lessons learned, yada, yada, yada. And so we, you know, we started this project, and at some point, we kind of had this discussion internally about, um, hey, this, this, this refactoring is actually going to be limited in scope because you know, we, we got to drop it in, and it has to be completely reverse compatible. We can't just you know, break people's applications. I mean, you know, there's a whole process to running people's apps in production. And so we were faced with this decision, do we continue with a kind of a conservative, gradual rewrite, I mean refactor, uh, or do we, do we do something more radical and, and kind of widen the loop, if that makes sense, kind of go off and make it a separate component uh, and, and say, hey, you know what, it's okay if it doesn't benefit the platform right away, um, but then we'll have kind of free reign to to really take advantage of all the lessons learned do something clean, something nice, you know, something less frustrating. Because um, one of the problems when you ha- when you cover so many languages and technologies is you know you say yes to ma- too many feature requests and then you have to support those features forever. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so we wanted to kind of um, y- the result is you get a lot of baggage. So anyway, the. Um, we were really tempted by the second option, right? Clean rewrite. But then how do you how do you avoid the the death trap of, you know, the, the rewrite that never ends, you know, and two years later you've never shipped you haven't shipped anything, all the customers are gone because nothing's moving, you know, just right. that kind of stuff. So the, the, the answer was let's let's make it an open source component. Let's make it really, really small and concise so that it can be used on its own. Like the first iteration can be used on its own by other people and then let's later circle back and, and plug it back into .cloud. So have you uh, gotten so that to that point? Of, so in some places, not, not, not on the core production platform, no. I mean, they are very, very direct relatives, obviously. Uh, I mean, it is still a rewrite of the .cloud platform. So in a way, it's kind of v2 of the, of the, the, the core of .cloud, right? Uh, right. And, and new stuff is now 100% built on, on Docker, um, you know, existing stuff will be you know is being transitions uh, you know in a in a on a, following a pace that makes sense. I mean, a lot of our customers you know they they're they're you know they're glad that we are getting buzz and they're happy for us, but you know they just want their app to run right now. So right. Um, anyway, so the, back to the question about Go. Uh, so we made that decision of making it a rewrite and, and open sourcing it, etc. And one thing we wanted to avoid. Was um, cutting corners. So, you know, if it was going to be a clean rewrite, it had to be a real clean rewrite with no cheating. And it's really tempting to cheat. You know, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. uh, we've solved this problem a year ago. It was really a pain in the ass to solve the first time. Do we really need to write it a second time? I'll just copy paste copy, that and little paste, piece yep. over there. You know, and so you know, I wanted to avoid that. Um, and there were two other reasons uh, for using Go. The second reason was that it's it's it has this really nice property of compiling to a static binary, which you just drop somewhere and it runs, and that is just awesome. <laughs> uh, and it you know it's awesome because it's just really practical from an ops point of view. When you got a lot of servers to run, you, you know you have other shit to do. Uh, you don't want to deal with like dragging all sorts of dependencies and following like a fifty page tutorial and setting it up. You just want you know drop the binary, run it. Good, let's, you know, moving on. And uh, it has the added benefit of being really easy to use by, you know, regardless of what your language of choice is. And, you know, the DevOps community, the community of people who, you know, automate the deployment of servers and deal with that kind of stuff, the the kind of people who are naturally attracted to to Docker, who are the target of Docker, um, are... are fragmented bunch of people. There are people who do everything in Ruby. Obviously, there is Chef, you know, Puppet. Uh, there's a lot of tools around that. Um, there's a big Python community, and then there's a big Java community. And Those are kind of the three main groups. And then there's Closure. There's cool stuff in Closure. There's all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, none of these guys, as a general rule, will use a tool if it's written in you know if it if it's written in the opposite language. Uh, and not really because they don't like the language, but because uh, it comes with strings attached. Like if, if you're a Ruby shop and you're, you, you're evaluating a Python tool, uh, it can be a real pain in the ass to actually run that Python tool because now you've got to deal with Python packages and dependencies and virtual mm-hmm. env and all these things that you're not familiar with. And if, you know, if they break, how do you go ahead and hack with them? And so Go is a nice kind of middle ground. It's a binary, you drop it, everyone can use it. And if you want to hack on it, it's, it looks a lot like C. So it's kind of neutral. And the third the third reason is really just, you know, it's trendy. And <laughs> it you, want, you want your project to be adopted. So if you can give people one more excuse to play with it,
1: then hey, you know, why not?
2: And it's yeah, it's so, just a really cool language.
1: So the the biggest communities on dot cloud would you say are would you say they're Ruby, Python, and Java?
2: Yeah, I mean that, that would be my guess. I mean I didn't really run a uh, although maybe i should but yeah, that would be my guess the, cool. just so, from experience yeah
1: it's really cool then to see i mean if you look at the github repository you got you know almost 2000 stars and almost 200 forks and it's cool to see that you know a lot of a lot of people maybe don't know more than just the language that they work in but obviously docker is a cool enough project where i mean people are probably even willing to learn go and it's a good opportunity to learn go if they don't know it so yeah, uh, it's cool to see I, this growing up. So you have plans then to uh, bring Docker back into .cloud, and do you have any kind of time frame and where you would see that happening?
2: Um, well, I mean, the, the, what is already happening is that 100% of everything we're doing as a company is built on Docker going forward. It's 100%. We've just made as soon... I mean, it started out as an experiment. We hoped that people would like it, then we realize, oh shit, people like it, and then we realize, wow, this is not stopping. Um, you know, pe- not only are people using it, but people are actually actively contributing to it. There's a real community that basically, you know, you mentioned the forks. The forks to me are even more interesting than the stars because it means people are actually playing with it and That's and contributing hey. back. I think we've got you know over twenty people now. Who are authors in the broad sense of the term? Maybe they only, con- you know, they contributed to fixed the readme, but there are, I mean, there are really impressive people in the Docker community. I'm like, I, I look at the IRC channel, I'm like, wow, where where do these guys come from? They're awesome. I don't know them. <laughs> <laughs> and so, as soon as we saw that, we're like, we, you know, this is bigger than we than even we planned. You know, this this is what Docker is going to be about now. And yeah. so we've been—we've made it very clear that this is not just a side project. We're building, you know, we're, we're going forward. Dockcloud Cloud's going to be built on Docker, cool, and, and yeah. part of that is—is is, you know, bring it back into the existing product. But you know, also it's going to be building extensions to that product and new, maybe new products, hmm. you know, natively on top of Docker from day one.
1: Yeah. So is it a nice feeling, like? You know, when you were a closed shop, you know, for lack of a better term, and people would come to you with feature requests and you'd have to either, you know, go through the process of, you know, debating internally if this is acceptable and then who's going to yeah. work on it and all that. But now somebody comes to you about Docker with a feature request and you can tell them, hey, fork it and start to work on it.
2: <laughs> yeah, that is a nice feeling. Uh, so, although then they do it and then you have to review the code.
1: And, but it's, it's a good problem to have. Yeah, well, and, that, and you bring up a good point, and that's something that, you know, open source is great, right, because more often than not, the community will kind of gather around it and and contribute to something that they find useful. For a company like you guys, how have you handled the problem of, you know, roles in the company, you get used to doing things a certain way, but now yeah. you have to kind of manage this you know, and, and one thing we like to talk about on the changelog a lot is open source sustainability. So now you have to kind of manage this open source project, right? And, and what that means is, you know, standards, code reviews, um, you know, it, handling yep. issues, you know, all that Just stuff. Just so, in general so, being a
0: leader, yeah.
1: Yeah, leading the project. So internally, yep. does the whole team kind of take responsibility for that or how is that – what does that look like for you guys? Yeah, it's
2: been it's – been, uh, I mean when I say we've reorganized around Docker, I mean we have truly reorganized – in a very significant way. It's been a big change uh, for everyone in the team, for the company, you know, even in terms of strategy. And also, I mean, for me personally, I'm, you know, I'm the founder and CEO. I've been kind of gradually transitioning over the last couple of years from the guy who wrote the code to the guy who wrote the code with other dudes, (laughs) to the guy who wrote less and less code, to the guy who raised money and, you know, hired people and, you know, ran meetings and all that stuff, which is very interesting. Uh, but you know, I ended up in this kind of product focused CEO, right? I would kind of make calls when needed, but mostly, you know, they, you know, the smart people have a tendency to do smart things on their own. So, uh, and all of a sudden by, by half by chance, uh, ended up actually being the guy, um, pushing Docker forward as a side project, mostly because, the the rest of the Docker team didn't have time. They had more serious things to do with you know actually running the real product, and um, and then suddenly Docker was no longer a side project. So for me personally, it's been a huge transition because um, I'm the maintainer, right? I, I mm-hmm. review all the pull requests now. Thank God I have uh, you know Guillaume join as a as a maintainer, so he reviews and merges things, and you know that the 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 pool is is growing. Uh, and I'll get to what that means as a process. But so, you know, starting with my experience personally, uh, it's been a big change and it's really fun. Like it's, it's, it's good to be back to to coding every day. Uh, you know, I, I, maybe for, for another time I'll, I'll, I'll talk about what it means uh, as a CEO. It mostly means just twice as much work because. And you
1: don't, yeah. And you didn't love the whole process of raising funds and dealing with board I, members and I all mean, that. It's, it's fun and I, I still do it. Um,
2: you know, I mean, it's one way or the other, that's, that's a transition that has to be finished. Like at at some point in the future, it's, it's fun to do both, you know, Mm -hmm. at some point in the future, I'll have to end up being, you know, doing only one. So does that mean, uh, handing over again, the whole, you know, technical side once the, you know, the, 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 the training process of other maintainers is completed Then I go back to being a CEO or maybe I hire another, you know, CEO, who knows, but Uh, Right now, it's it's both and it's fun Uh, for the rest of the team. What we've done is basically we've said, okay, there's the we've we've split the team in two as a start. Um, And I hope this is on topic, but I think it is. It's you know it's about the the sustainable open source, right? So go for it. Yeah, we've we've split the team in two. Half of the team keeping the lights on uh, on like okay, we got this. We got this existing product. uh, Got production apps. We got customers. No matter what, you know, in this crazy period of one or two months where people are going crazy and we don't know what to what to do with all this, the, all these pull requests basically falling in from this falling from the sky. <laughs> um, let's let's split the team into two, and you know, half of the team um, keeps doing things as usual, uh, and the other team, uh, you know, works with Solomon and we kind of build this open source process. And so what we've done, and this is on the open source side, a big decision we've made, which. Uh, is very important, and I think it's the best. It's the best decision we've made in this whole thing, is that we've opened the 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 process to contributing to Docker completely, and I mean 100%. Uh, there is no difference uh, in how you contribute to Docker uh, based on where you work. In other words, the process that a dot cloud employee goes through to check code into Docker or to influence or discuss the priorities of Docker, the de, you know, design decisions, all that stuff is 100% the same as if you're not a Cloud employee, hmm. uh, which means that um, if you're willing and able and you got the time and you're interested, the, the prospects for, um, for implication and, um, and credit and influence over the project are exactly the same. You can be a core committer. If you want to and you can, if you pass the standards and if you involve yourself enough, and you know we don't yet have a core committer. I mean, it's only two of us who can actually merge pull requests, um, and you know Guillaume works at Dot Cloud, but you know soon enough there's going to be a core committer that doesn't work at Dot Cloud. I'm sure of it, and I mean I can see very smart people putting a lot of energy, and that that's going to be an awesome moment. And I think the, it's really what important. was the
0: process to come up with that idea though to have that. Um, the same process for me if I forked it and wanted to contribute? Was that your idea? Was it the team's idea? How did you come up with that idea?
2: That was me. Basically – Me right here. That was me. Um, me, right sure, that, was but... me.
0: <laughs> that was me.
2: Yeah, I mean I, gotcha. I don't know, you asked. So... Nah, I
0: like that. I like the way you responded. I... That was me.
2: Um... <laughs> uh, you know, uh, basically here, here's the thing. It was kind of unusual territory because here I was kind of uh, the maintainer of an open source project – uh, and, and not the guy supposed to be writing code, you know, as a day job anymore. Um, and, and, you know, we have this whole engineering team and, and, uh, Sam is our director of engineering. He's got this whole process in place. I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're a highly organized company. You have to, when you're running, you know, again, you're running apps in production. And there was this problem of steering, um, steering resources away from the core platform. I mentioned before we split the team in two. In fact, you know, we split it in two, but you know, we didn't split it in two equal equal parts. Uh you know, most of the resources uh have to, you know, had to stay allocated to the, the the main product. And at the same time, if we're really betting the, the the farm on Docker, it needs to move fast. And we've been really, really bent on making Docker move as fast as possible. We've shipped a lot of stuff. Um, the only way to keep shipping fast is to get a lot of people working on it. Uh, and the only way to get a lot of people working on it, if you can't afford to hire hundreds of people, is to you know, set up a process that actually makes it possible, potentially, for hundreds of people to contribute. And you know we're a long way from hundreds of people checking in code, but, I mean, that's the trajectory we're... Yeah. we're we're being aggressive about we it. You
0: also said that you're gonna build dot cloud on top of Docker. And right now you have yeah. a disclaimer saying Docker is still under heavy development, so it seems like it's stable, but maybe not as much as it possibly could be to actually oh, build dot yeah. cloud on top of it. Is that right? Yeah. So I mean so obviously you would want to put a lot of energy into it if you're gonna, you know, build dot cloud on top of Docker. You kinda of want to get it to a point where it's even more That's stable true. And,
2: and, and we are and we're gradually I mean every day there's a little more of our resources going as a company going towards Docker than the the, the core product because it feeds back right so it's an investment uh, but the way the way this can the only way this can possibly work is by really you know building a real community of people who are outside of the company and actually own the project with us if that makes sense um, and the, about um production readiness you're definitely right it's not you know you can't run an application in production in on docker actually it turns out you can because i found out that at least one company does but you know hey if it works for them uh <laughs> it will be production ready soon and the other thing also is that um docker is a great development and testing tool so a lot of people actually use docker to develop and test in an automated way and then there are ways to you know you can you can you can still still take the result of your work, uh, the, you know take your Docker containers, and export them into any environment that you actually use in production. So there's a bridge there. Uh, Docker doesn't actually need to to be entirely production ready all you know across the entire life cycle of your app to be useful. You can use it on a segment of that life cycle does that make sense so mm-hmm. uh you can start using it as a dev and build uh tool and if if you're you get more comfortable and you feel like it's 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 getting it's it's ready you can you know get a good feel for it you can start using it in the next stage which is usually usually q a you know dist, um, continuous delivery um things like that and then, if you're even more comfortable, then eventually you can say, "Hey, you know what? I'm going to run this in in, in production, or you know, production for the small app, and not for the big app yet." Right. Uh, it's a very it's a gradual process, right? It's it's it starts with the with the, you know day one of development, and then it moves it moves it moves along the it, it matures along with the application.
1: So the only supported uh, distros are uh, looks like the latest Ubuntu's. Is that right? Officially supported.
2: Yeah, so um, I guess there are two answers. Yeah, the the the, the only officially supported distro today uh, where you can drop that Docker binary and run it is Ubuntu. But uh, there are officially supported uh, install instructions for uh, going from a Mac laptop to a running uh, Docker setup. A Windows machine to running um, Docker setup, and any other Linux distro to running Docker setup, uh, and usually that, that means going through you know deploying a, a VM, right? So you, you add a VM to your machine, and then on
1: top of that VM you run Docker. Mm-hmm. So we hit, last week on the show we had uh, Mitchell from Vagrant, and looks like I got Docker up and running pretty easily uh, using Vagrant on my machine. Yeah. Um, that, that's that's the way we recommend it. If you if you've got a Mac or a
2: or a Windows machine, just yeah. use Vagrant, and Vagrant will, you know, in our from in our in our case, what Vagrant does that is really really awesome. Is you know if you got an OS that's not supported, it's a nice and automated way to stand up a virtual box VM and boom install
1: something on it. in the, in our case, mm-hmm. Docker. So that's mm-hmm. really nice. So it's funny because. Um, you know, and one of the things that Mitchell said, so obviously we I'm a Mac guy. Um, you know, and so I'm on a laptop. I'm on a uh, MacBook. Yep. So early on in Vagrant's lifetime, they decided um we need to support Windows. Like that's a, you know, that was one of the, not Mitchell, but um I think his name is John, uh said, you know, we need to have Windows support baked in. And so they did, right? And you know, now fast forward again number of years and are you guys thankful that you're able to use Vagrant on windows to get docker up and running
2: um, yeah I mean the, the vagrant's a really cool project um, they're, actually there right now there there are more people definitely using docker from Macs than from Windows machines
1: mm-hmm.
2: but there definitely are um, Windows machines and from experience on the developer base uh, you know on do cloud in general a lot obviously a lot of people use windows I, I think there is kind of this San Francisco bubble. We're a San Francisco-based company. There's this kind of San Francisco Silicon Valley bubble world of ah. Oh, no one uses you know Windows anymore. But yeah, actually, a lot of people do. <laughs> and yeah. if you want to be taken seriously, you gotta you know your tool has to support it. So yeah, we're we're in general. I will say this: that we have a philosophy of not reinventing the wheel. That sounds kind of obvious, but we will we will take every opportunity to reuse. Uh, other people's work if it makes sense and if it allows us to focus on the hard parts that never that no one got to uh, and th- I mean there are lots of examples of that one example is using Vagrant because hey we could start by writing code that automatically spins up VMs from Windows and installs Docker on it mm-hmm. uh, but that would be time we wouldn't be spending on more interesting parts of Docker right? so we're using Vagrant and hey everyone's happy uh, it's easier to use Docker, and a lot of people uh, discover Vagrant actually through Docker. <laughs> I, I saw a lot of tweets saying, "Hey, uh, I got you know two projects for the price of one. I discovered Vagrant." <laughs> so that's awesome. You know, the, another example would be, um, I mean, LXC itself. The the um, when you there is an ambiguity actually when in the word LXC, it stands for Linux containers, but it actually it can mean two things. It can mean um, the the, the, the component inside the Linux kernel that makes containers possible. Um, and it can mean the, the, the higher level tools, uh, the binaries that you, you know, that the command that you run on your Linux box to m- make calls to, the, to those kernel facilities. And both are called LXC. So there's LXC, the, the kernel component that you never see. Uh, as a user, and then there's LXC, the the command line tool, um, and you know one one thing that we could have done was uh, bypass the LXC command line tool and make calls to the kernel functions directly, because really, we, you know, what we're really going after is the kernel's capabilities. That's where the heavy lifting's done, right? In a way, the LXC command line tools are themselves convenience wrappers, higher level tools for using the kernels features, right? So, um, you know, we, we could bypass them, uh, but bypassing them is work. And, you know, they've, you know, the, the the developers of the LXE tools have actually done good work. They've tested it. They've, uh, you know, they've, these added these nice conveniences. Uh, so, that's another example. Just like we use Vagrant, we we actually make calls
1: to the ALXC command line tools, uh, so we don't waste time reinventing the wheel. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like where Docker is at right now. It's so young. It's you know so early in the process. It's very exciting. I mean, to, to see where this is going to go. Uh, so for you right now, where Docker is at, where would you like to see it kind of go over the next you know six months to a year? So there's, there's kind of two, key, there's two main
2: things. Um, over the last few weeks, we've realized that people are using Docker as a build tool. So initially, the job of Docker was specifically um, given a container in the right format, run it in a guaranteed repeatable way, uh, and, and define the format, the executable format, right? Like write the spec standardize what what it means to run a container and and share that standard with the world uh, and show an implementation of it so in other words, the run part running things uh, and that that was you know that's that's the core of docker and you can run things in a very reasonable way in a very portable way and et cetera, et cetera uh, and then um, on top of that we saw people using building on top of that functionality to build their software. Um, uh, because you know, running a container is 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 one thing, but how did you get that container in the first place? Like, who built it? Like, who put it together? Mm-hmm. And it turns out, Docker itself can be used to put together your container step by step, layer by layer, uh, in a really cool and convenient way, and and it solves that problem of defining requ- uh, dependencies. Um, and so that became a pattern. People started using Docker like that. Um, Installing a base image and then um, installing a Debian package they were interested in, then downloading a, li- a library and dropping it in the right place, installing I don't know, uh, you know, uh, Unicorn, then installing the, the version of Ruby they're interested in, the gems they're interested in, and and all of that layer by layer using our our uh, container versioning system. And you know, I don't want to go in crazy details, but uh, so that use case kind of evolved, and as a result. You can use Docker for build and for run. And so these are the two directions we're pushing. We want Docker to be a better build tool. And so literally you can Dockerize <laughs> your app. I realized that's a term now. Is it really? Cool. <laughs> was... Yeah. So Dockerizing your app means – Well, I
0: heard you say containerize uh, at least in your documentation somewhere too.
2: <laughs> yeah, you containerize things, but dockerize is shorter. <laughs> and yeah. I I don't know. I it's funny cuz the the I was I did not come up with the 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 the, um, the name docker. I initially thought it was really bad and sounded terrible. And I I actually was I had the secret plan of of convincing everyone to change it before we we launched. But then <laughs> it got leaked and I never got the chance and and I kind of it kind of grew on oh, me. Man. I, I kind, of, kind of like it. So, yeah. you know, uh, anyway, the, the so Dockerize um, Dockerizing your app means uh, adding to your to your Git repository or you know to your source code a file called a Docker file um, with instructions on how to trans you know how to go from naked source code to to full blown container ready to run uh, and usually that file is like five lines it's really simple it's basically like shell commands to run. It's like a p to get install that, uh, you know, pip install that, gem install that, whatever, um, and it's dead simple. But at the same time, it goes from, you know, source code to freaking full blown container ready to run. And you can hand it to someone, and they can run it on an EC two machine, they can run it on their VM, they can run it, you know, anywhere they want. And you don't have to give them any off band information. You just say, here it is, you can run it. And that is, no, that is really awesome, so you know I want that to be easier because I think it's just a really cool way to use docker, mm-hmm. and then obviously I want um you know once you've produced that docker container, you know I want it to be more useful in more places, so there are people today saying, you know obviously, hey, I use Red Hat or I use you know this or that distro or I have this version of the kernel, and today I can't use docker containers, I can't run them because Docker doesn't support this distro or doesn't support this version of the kernel, so we want to you know widen the scope, make running docker containers possible in more places and and that also means part of of you know making it possible to run in more places involves things like uh, allowing for more customizations like we, there are a lot of requests especially for ops or shops like ops engineers that already have a setup they have a storage system. They have a networking system in place, and they kind of they have a process manager, and they kind of they they like Docker, but they would like to bend it to fit into their existing system. And I say, you know, obviously we we want that to be possible. So there are a lot of integration projects, uh, and for integrations, you need nice, clean APIs. So I guess that was a long answer, but <laughs> a I want Docker to be to make it easier to build your source code into a container that can run anywhere and And b, I wanted it to be easier to run that container any, on any server yeah. yeah
0: this whole time you we kind of got through this most of this call and we haven't mentioned docker registry yet. I'm just wondering if I missed it yeah. or if we didn't cover that and and it seems like it's you know it fits nicely into that feature you just painted
2: definitely yeah it's it's kind of the link between the two that the the, the when you build your source code into a container, the logical step after that is you want to make that container accessible, right? You want to share it, uh, and if it's open source software, um, sharing it means hey, you want every person on earth to, to to be able to download it and run it if they want. Uh, if it's um, if if it's private and it's your own code, it has credentials in it. It's not open source. Um, sharing might just mean hey, I want it to get from get it from from the build server to the production server, you know, or on a scale out to ten servers, right. so that's also sharing. You know, it's moving bytes around. Um, to share, you need uh, you know some sort of infrastructure to move things around and discover the right container and download it at center. And that's what the registry is. So the registry is what does that live at uh, now? Where can you see that? That we've put together at .cloud. It's uh, well, I mean, the the primary way you interact with it is by typing the command docker pull, right? Or docker push. Um so right now like if you install docker f- from scratch fresh, the first command you'll probably run is something like docker run uh ubuntu bash, which means hey, run run the shell in a in a in an ubuntu system or docker run centos uh ls, you know, like run L- show me the files in my in my in a new centos container. When you type that command, docker, you know, Figures out that you want you want to run an Ubuntu container an Ubuntu call sorry a container called Ubuntu it doesn't have it so it will automatically connect to the registry which is this publicly accessible place Uh, think of it like GitHub for containers ready to run right Mm -hmm. Uh, and um, it will download it and it has a very efficient way of downloading like you know um, it's just like a Git pull actually it will only download the parts that it needs. So if it's already already downloaded a prior version, it'll only download the diff, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. And and then it will run it. And so the registry is this place, this API that we've, you know, put up for free to make Docker more useful, where you can download other people's containers or upload your own, right? Since once you've built your code into a container, you just then you upload it to the registry and other people can share it uh, to can use it. So that That's I guess cool. it's it's the link between build and run.
1: Yeah, that's awesome, man. I feel like we could talk about that for We're gonna have, uh, in a few months as this thing grows again. To talk about you know where it's gone, it's very exciting. Yeah, we'll definitely have to check yeah, I- back
0: in with you because uh, we want to we want to hear your six month year goal and see if it comes to fruition. And, and we'll obviously be <laughs> uh, there helping you along. So in between now and then, anything we can do at the change law to help you spread the word about the awesomeness of Docker, you know, please do not hesitate to reach out to us. We'll do whatever we can to help.
1: Thanks, I appreciate that. So, the for people who have listened to the changelog regularly, they'll know this. But for anyone who's new, we kind of have two questions that we like to ask at the end of all of them, and um, just to get a little, give you a chance to kind of participate. So, first one, uh, Solomon, is we kind of look for what what would be a call to arms or somewhere where that you would like to see the open source community get involved in Docker. Uh,
2: Well, I mean, I guess there's a general answer besides the 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 obvious uh you know try it use it report bugs coming out on the rc channel kind of get involved in any way possible we are extremely uh welcoming of any interaction like we will never uh we'll never uh you know make fun of someone for making a really small fix like every fix counts every question there is no stupid question you know the the so you know we're 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 very grateful of any interaction. You know, it means you, you're interested. So, check it out, ask questions, and then more specifically, I talked about that really cool word Dockerize. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm just really excited about that concept. I think it's really powerful. It solves a lot of problems that I've ran into in, as a developer. Um, there are a lot of people Dockerizing their their apps. You know, Dockerizing famous open source software. You know, Dockerizing databases, frameworks, uh, libraries. Um, so my call to arms would be: try and Dockerize something, and tell us how it went. You know, share it with us. Right now, we're you know, every time some, someone sends us a cool example of <clears throat> software they've packaged to run in Docker, we're really excited. We tell everyone about it. Um, you know, just tell us, and we'll 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 share it with the whole world. <laughs> um, and probably you'll hit a bug too and then you should report that
1: <laughs> <laughs> cool so our last question who would you like to kind of give a shout out to as your programming hero
2: you know I, I'm, I'm glad you allowed me to prepare for that one <laughs> <laughs> um, you know I realize I, I, I'm not a very um, learned person when it comes to the the giant's on who, on you know, on whose shoulders we stand on, but um, th- there is one guy that I that I've always been super impressed with. I guess it's kind of a, a classic, but I don't know. If you, you know this guy Fabrice Bellard. He's I this don't. French dude, um, also known as the author of QMU. Okay, what's his uh, what's his GitHub handle? Uh, hmm.
1: Or we uh, can uh, we can link that up in the yeah, show notes. He,
2: basically, he. I mean, he. He has written at least half a dozen um, pieces of software that each individually um, would easily get him a place in the pantheon of coders. But he wrote like six of them. (laughs) And he's just kind of – he's incredibly productive. He's the guy – I don't know. The most recent thing I, I saw by him is he's the guy who got a Linux kernel to actually boot in a browser in JavaScript. You guys remember that?
1: Vaguely, I mean. Anyway, I, so it's, yeah. it's it's
2: like just one example. He's just kind of he never stops, uh, and it's kind of refreshing um, to to see someone that productive. I mean, ffmpeg is, um, I mean, that's the it's the it's the foundation of video processing, right? It's the video processing open source software. That's that's him. Um, mm. QMU is like a, a really. Um, a really effective and very helpful piece of virtualization software. So it was kind of a stepping stone to virtualization. And I
0: missed it though. What Uh, is his, what is his name?
2: uh, Fabrice Bellard. Fabrice Bellard. Okay. Bellards. I I feel like I'm butchering his name. We'll definitely have to put that in the show notes. Yeah. He's, he's awesome. And, and you know, that's the thing. I've never, I've never seen tweets by him. Uh, probably tweets. I don't know, but he, he's not like a, uh, you know, like a doesn't seem but, to be someone who's cultivating his his personal brand or whatever. He's just writing awesome code and seems to enjoy it. And we're all benefiting yeah. from it. I mean, he's yeah. he's the he's the like the good side of open source incarnate.
1: He's behind I, the Tiny C compiler. I know that. Nice.
2: Yeah. He's he's uh, anyway. Uh, I never met him, but <laughs> he's I just picture him place. as this really cool guy. Well, we'll have to, well,
0: that's <laughs> that's awesome. Thanks for plugging him and and uh, yeah. We always uh, enjoy, um, I, I guess, the the surprises sometimes. Even not so much surprises that you choose somebody who may not have gotten all the limelight that uh, yeah. some developers get uh, when it comes to open source contributions and what they contribute and what they create. So it's always good, and it also helps our audience to, um, you know, and those who are enthusiasts of software and the intersection of you know software development and this open source world that we're kind of crafting away at so it's it's really fun to, to share that but uh, Solomon thank you so much for, for joining us Andrew thanks for asking so many great questions I definitely lean upon you today when it comes to the DevOps side I, I, I uh, sit back and listen very closely and hope <laughs> one day that I can uh, be such a such a hacker but uh, and this
2: you guys were great right. thanks, thanks so much for this is really a cool conversation yeah man and this is our first time here on
0: 5x5 so for those of you who are long-time 5x5 listeners and first-time Changelog listeners, uh, we're here to stay, 5x5.tv slash Changelog, live every Tuesday at 5 o'clock. You can tune in, as you normally do if you got the app. Uh, watch out for push notification, and if you didn't get it, you need to go in your settings and uh, and turn that on for the Changelog as well as Founders Talk, because I, I, uh, I host Founders Talk. So, that'll be live tomorrow, uh, same time on Wednesday, but... Uh, thanks again for tuning in. Uh, let's say goodbye, guys.
1: All right. Thanks so much, Solomon. I really enjoyed the conversation.
2: Thanks, thanks to you guys.